I think when if you're going to get back into sport as a as a mature athlete, you know, do it for not who you once were, do it for who you want to be now. And that's very different. Like, who do you want to be now? What are the values? Like, what are the things that you loved about being involved in sport? And maybe it is the competition. Maybe it is being number one. And maybe it's also just being out with people and and knowing that you can move your body and that you can train your body and that your body can do these things that when you put it to work, wow, like it can do stuff that many people can't do. And that's an amazing place to be. That's Dr. Natasha Wesh, mental performance coach, on this episode of Silver is the New Gold. I'm Karen Lonso, and this is Silver is the New Gold a podcast that shares stories and insights about women's participation in sports after 35. Maybe it's because I'm approaching my mid-40s, but lately I've been thinking a lot about what should I be doing and where am I going in life? Particularly with fencing, I feel a bit in this limbo state, not old enough to be eligible for Veterans World Championships, which begins at age 50, but perhaps at an age where an open Senior World Cup might be out of reach because my life can't support the amount of training involved to get there. So, I asked Dr. Natasha Wesh if she'd like to come back on to talk about identity and setting expectations for the mature athlete, and she agreed. If you haven't listened to episode number five, I highly recommend it. Dr. Wesh's story about her lifelong journey in sports as an athlete and coach is amazing. Quick disclaimer, Dr. Wesh and I had a lot of fun with this conversation, but all joking aside, for anyone thinking of getting back into sport or fitness, please consult medical doctors and our health practitioners and our coaches who specialize in sport before you get started. And now, here's my conversation with Dr. Natasha Wesh. Hi, Natasha, how are you? I'm very well, Karen. How are you? I'm surviving. Yes. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> yes, we are, hopefully. Today, I thought we could talk a little bit more about the sports psychology part of getting back into sports for mature athletes. Mm-hmm. Recently, I read a book called Game Change. It's the Ken Dryden book about Steve Montador. He's a professional hockey player, and he 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 died from CTE, which is cumulative traumatic encephalopathy, which is basically too many concussions. So what I found interesting about that was the way that Ken Dryden sort of chronicled his life from a child up until uh, the point where he passed away. And he also chronicled how hockey evolved over time. And what I found even more interesting, if you kind of, as you read along or as I read along, is the identity part of of Steve and, and how, so he was not a, um, a star athlete. He wasn't a Sidney Crosby and he wasn't a, you know, Connor McDavid. And I've run out of hockey players that I know because I don't follow hockey. (laughs) Those are two good ones. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But he he was, um, he played uh, uh, over 500 games, I think. So he was obviously, I mean, at that level, everybody's amazing, of course. 
But the fight that he had to stay playing, where he could be replaced at any moment by someone coming up through the ranks. And every time he had a concussion and he got sent out, it was that it's it seemed, and this is projecting, but from reading between the lines, it's that he seemed to search out people who would say he was okay to play. Because if he didn't play, what would he do? And it didn't seem like there were that many medical professionals related to hockey who were doing a hard stop and saying, no, you can't, you can't continue to play. And so I think all of us at some level or another, we, we fall into this uh, identity thing. And, you know, who are we if we don't, if we're not mothers, who are we if we're not athletes, who are we if we're not, you know, project managers at work. And so getting back into sport and, and, whether you're doing it for for fitness and whether you want to compete as a mature athlete, I thought it'd be interesting just to talk about personality and identity in sport and what sort of drives people and, you know, what keeps people playing and what risks are involved by being too uh, close, close to it. So maybe we could start just by talking about like, what is personality and identity and in, in you know, what draws people into sport? And, you know, how, how hard is it to, to separate ourselves from that? Mm. That's a 17 questions all in one <laughs> right there. Um, you know, I, I think maybe I start off by saying, you know, we, we think that we're the same person, you know, like I still think that I'm me who I was when I was 10 and 18 and 20 and 30, and we're not going to keep going because then I'll identify my age. But, um, you know, we think we're the same person, but we're not. It's just the same. It's like the same wire that we're tacked onto. We're not at the same point in the wire. It's, it's the same thread that holds us kind of tied in time, but we're not the same person. And so, you know, we, we can change. Um, and we do change. Uh, obviously, we change on a physical cellular level, uh, sometimes daily. Um, but we also change, which means we change emotionally, we change psychologically, we change mentally, and we're not always the same person carrying on. And yet we we hold on. We do, sometimes we try to hold on to who we once were, because that's who we know. And so we assume that's who we still are. But, you know, we have the capacity to change ourselves and to redefine ourselves at any moment in time because we by nature change become different um and then how we choose to define that can have a pretty big impact on uh how we view the world and how we interact with the world so that's not answering your question but i i wanted to start off with that with that because i think that that's an important thing to, to keep in the back of our mind, right? Like that we can re we can redefine who we are at any moment, any moment in time, we can redefine who we are. Right. And the, the part about redefining yourself. And I, I think that's an important point because as we, as we do sports as children, uh, and as we do sports as teenagers and then young adults, I don't think we see ourselves, I don't think we give ourselves identity as kids. We just go out and we do things. We don't, we just go out and we learn and we play and we have fun. 
And, uh, and then as we go through and we continue through teenager into young adult, we, we, we don't know what we didn't know. And we don't know what we've learned and we've just become good or not good at sports or enjoyed it. I think where we assign identity, identity to it, and I know that I certainly had this issue, was when we take a break. We take a break from that and we, we go and we live our lives. We get careers, we have families, we, then we come back. And then mm. we're like, I used to be a good athlete. I used to be really good at this. Why, why am I not doing well at it at it now? You know? Mm. And uh and so yeah, talk about personality and talk about identity and, and why it, it can be hard to come back into sport as a mature athlete after taking a break. Um, and then how identifying or having this identity or what you thought of yourself as like a kid when you were playing sports, how mm. that can make it hard to come back as a mature right. athlete. So, okay, you know, we can go with the textbook definition of personality, but what I like to think of personality as is there's this, you know, there's this physical being that we are and we, from it, the way that our neurons and cells and everything are all lined up, they equate that it gives us this certain pattern of thinking, this certain way of feeling and behaving. Um, and it kind of, it's our, there are characteristics there, there, how we are, like, how does the, this, this physical being portray itself as in the world? And that's, to me, that's the personality piece, right? That's the idea of, you know, you put all these wirings together, you put all this chemistry and this physical piece together, and that's how it expresses itself. It's got its own unique way of expressing itself. Some people are, have a personality that's more, you know, a type. Some people are more, um, laid back. Some it's kind of, that's how I see personality. If, if you will, hopefully that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The difference between personality and identity, identity is how we choose to, um, the, 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 the costume we choose to put on. Right. Right. So do we choose to put on the costume of being an athlete? Do we choose to the costume of being a mother? Do we choose the costume of being, um, whatever our, our different identities and we can have different identities because, and we will in the costume, we can change our behaviors to suit that person, that identity. Mm -hmm. When I'm in my athlete costume. I eat well, I sleep well, I work out hard. When I'm, I'm in my mom costume, I'm overbearing. I'm, you know, asking all these things, always asking my child where she, like these types of things. When I'm at work, I'm very different. Like, so we take on different behaviors based on the costume of identity, the identity that we, we put on, that we, we hold. Now, what happens is I think we, we can, the more we, the more we put on the costume, the more we start to identify as that is who we are rather than it's just a costume. It's just a role we're playing. Right. It's not who we are. It's not, it's not the, the, the neurons and the, the, and the, the atoms and the cells and all that stuff. It's just the costume that that being puts on, but we put it on so often that it kind of, it sticks to us and it's hard to take it off or we don't know that we, it actually is a costume anymore. And so when athletes, it's, there's good stuff to that because if you can identify as an athlete, there's a lot of positive things, right? People who identify as athletes um, and have a strong athletic identity tend to 
you know, work really hard because they, they, they think of themselves as an athlete. And then they say, well, an athlete works hard. An athlete eats well, an athlete behaves in these certain ways. So I'm going to adopt these behaviors. But at the same time, then we think that that's who we are. And if we're not that, then who are we? So with the, you know, with the example that you gave at the beginning, that athlete who the hockey player who is pinned or pigeonholed as a certain type of player and they need to go back out on the ice because otherwise if they're not that player, then who are they? They've put on that costume so many times and that's probably one of the only costumes they've put on their entire life. Then by their own definition, they are an athlete. And if they are not an athlete, then they're nobody. But I think it's important to recognize that it's, it's a costume we put on. I'm still me as a human being at the core I'm just putting on a different costume in different situations. Right. Mm -hmm. And and we could take those personality traits or those values and apply them to anything. So maybe I like, I like strategy and I like competition and I like training, but I could put it not defensing. I could put it to volleyball. I could put it to woodworking. I could put it to sewing or like any sort of creative project planning, but I choose to put it into into sport and at any point I could I could change it and refocus that to something else and I would still yeah. be the same person and still want to achieve similar yeah. outcomes but apply them to not necessarily sports but I could put them onto other things as well. Absolutely and but I think the the interesting thing though and I think we may have touched on in the last time we talked is that you know sport is life sped up at least I see it as life sped up right it's kind of like Sport happens, the things that happen in sport happen so quickly. Like you get picked for a team, you get rejected, you lose, you win, you get feedback, you have to bounce back, you have to do it again, you get injured, you go through rehab, you have to, like what happens in one athlete's sport season could take a lifetime for somebody who's not involved in sports for them to experience all of those experiences and emotions and everything else. So the thing that happens with sport is, at least from my perspective, is there's an adrenaline piece to that because it's happening all the time. It's like all of these things are happening in like hyper speed compared to the speed of life. And we get all not addicted is not the right word, but we, it's like we put on the costume so many times that it, it, it just becomes, we become that like, it's like, it takes over that that's who we are. And then when we try to do, take those those traits, those personality characteristics of who just who we are as a human, like the person, the personality trait of being conscientious or being, you know, hardworking, whatever it is, when we apply that to a different domain outside of sport in a domain that is slowed down in speed relative to sport, it's not as exciting, right? We're like, yeah, but I can be like, I can be totally dedicated to my work, but I don't get the rush of the win and the loss and the, the, you know, that adrenaline kick that I do from sport. So for many athletes, they don't find the same thrill in applying their personality traits to other domains because sport and performance and that, that gives you this instant reward as well as this instant, instant feedback, good or bad. Right. Right. And there's a risk reward associated with what you do and and the outcome is Mm -hmm. immediate. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, we're programmed for that that risk reward 
you know, we're supposed to, as human beings, to seek out, you know, the rewarding things, which means we're going to have to risk stuff. That's, that's in our nature for survival. So how can we, so when we get tied into this identity of sport, when we, we get to this point where we think, man, like, I just, I got to focus on what I'm doing. I'm not doing well. I'm not doing this. Well, how, how do, can we learn to step outside of ourselves and, and gain perspective about how others, how others see us? Because I think like whether it was soccer or volleyball or, you know, it's fencing for me, I probably think I'm not, I think of myself as less good than maybe other people might see me. You know, I might watch about and be really, really critical of myself. But if I was watching it as like a third party, I might have a different opinion of of how it looked or how I was. So can we learn to step outside of ourselves and gain real perspective? And does that help us kind of lessen this tie to identity and, and kind of help us, you know, not get so caught up in the who we are so much mm. as the what we do. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so to answer your question, yes, yes, we can learn to step outside of ourselves. And that, and that, you know, if you want to give it a term, that's self-awareness. It's the ability to kind of step back, take a look at, you know, what are the identities that we connect to? What are the things that we, um, the roles that we identify with? Um, and and then what is important to us and what do we want? Because oftentimes identities are also, you know, things that are mirrored back to us. Like as we grow up, people will say, oh, you're such a good student. Oh, you're such a good athlete. Oh, you're, you're this. Or you're, and then we take on that identity based on what others mirror back to us, right? Um, and so it's being able to kind of step back and look at ourselves as who we are and, and then decide what kind of athlete do I want to, it's kind of like, okay, I'm giving the, I'm given the costume of athlete. Well, what kind of athlete do I want to play in this role? Like what, you know, it's defining the role as an actor. Who do I want to be? How do I want to be in this role? Rather than just doing what we're, is it not expected? That's not the right word, but what other people will construe as the identity of an athlete. And so we can definitely learn to step back, step outside of ourselves. And part of that is stopping and reflecting. But reflection is a, a huge skill that we need to learn. And the first thing to learn about reflection is that we actually have to be still with, like we have to be okay with being with our thoughts because that's what it is. We're reflecting back. It's okay with being, like we need to be okay with to be with ourselves and by ourselves <laughs> in a way, right? And to actually... Mm-hmm stop and think and analyze. And this is something that I do with many athletes and especially, and I don't want to generalize, but okay, I will is, you know, many younger athletes right now is they don't ever, they're never with themselves by themselves in their own thoughts. Like they always have something distracting them, whether it's their phone, whether it's like, whatever it is they're And and I, you know, it's not even just young athletes. I think we're all, many people are consumed by that. Like Mm -hmm. we, and, and maybe in a way, this this is what for some people COVID provided is like, Oh, get outside, go for a hike. Cause there's nothing else to do. And people are like, wow, I've actually never been with my own thoughts for more than like three seconds. 
huh, you know, that's reflection. That's that self-awareness to be able to go, oh, okay, I'm this individual being and I have thoughts, but what do I really want to be? What do I really want to do? And taking some time to stop and not stop and smell the roses, but stop and just, who do I want to be? How do I want to be? And then, you know, you ask the question of, you know, when we re-engage in sport later on in life as a, maybe an older athlete, master's athlete, and we expect ourselves to just jump right back into the way we were at 20. Well, we're, there's potentially 20, 30 years of gap in there. You're not the same person. You're not the same human being. You're not the same, you know, being made up of all these cells. It's totally different. You've regenerated like 30, 30 times. So to expect yourself to be back where you were is um, somewhat ludicrous because you're not the same person, but you can redefine yourself. You can start to work on learning how to put that costume on and maybe your costume will fit a little differently. Maybe you want it to be a little different. Maybe you don't want to be the way you were when you were 20 or whatever years old. And you can, if you can develop that skill of self-awareness and reflection and who was I, who do I want to be? What are my values? You know, maybe even go as far as what are my, what's my mission statement for this particular role that I'm going to embark on? How do I want to be? What's important? And then begin to adopt the behaviors that reflect that. Now I can redefine myself or I can define myself in a new way. I could be a different athlete. I can still be an athlete, just a different kind of athlete and potentially better. Is there a way to, to use that knowledge and that self-reflection as a mature athlete to guide your training? I know for individual sports, well, I think most people have coaches even for endurance sports like running and cycling, but is there a way to make that work um, to provide information to coaches about how you want to train, about what your limits are. Um, as a mature athlete, is there is there more responsibility on your part to set the boundaries and to to set the limitations with with your coach or whoever your your training partner is? Yeah, you know, I think there's there's something to be said about that because the the as a mature athlete doesn't mean that just because you're older you know yourself better because there are some people that don't take time in, to reflect there are also some young people who haven't been on this planet for more than you know 15 trips around the sun that uh know themselves very well because they've developed this skill of self-reflection and self-awareness um so it's not age necessarily but i think it tends to happen more because we just have more life experiences um, but the ability to know thyself, right. To know who you are, the skill of knowing who you are tends to happen more as we age. Like I said, we've had more time with ourselves to get to know ourselves. Um, we can use that information and, and in a way, not shortcut the system, but shortcut the system and say, I respond better to this type of training. I respond well to this type of, and to be honest with our coach, right? Like I need somebody who does this and this and this, I need this. I like this. I like that. Whereas, and you can have that communication with your coach where you can 
shortcut the system and get right to the best training for you, the best approach for you. Whereas when you're younger, you're still trying to figure out what works for you, who you are, what kind of, you know, what's going on for you, what you like, what you don't like, what works, what doesn't work. And so you're, there's a lot of trial and error there. And I think there's much less, or there potentially could be much less with an athlete uh, for an athlete who knows themselves and who has that skill of self-awareness and self-reflection. So they can say, I've done this in the past. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. This is how I like to train. And I think you can get, you can get good faster than if you don't have that skill when you're jumping back into, you know, master sports after being out of sports for, for a while or jumping back into comp- competition as an older athlete, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think there's a certain level of awareness too about how much time you have mm. realistically, right? Um, I was just thinking about this the other day that you can put all of your effort into the time you have to do all the things you're passionate about, but you can't put the same amount of actual time into everything. So if you have a full-time job right. like I do, and I have to work 40 to 50 hours a week, I'm not, I can't put the same amount of time into training. There's just not enough time. No, but I think you're, I think as a mature or older athlete, you, you're, it, it's, it can be easier to be more present. Like you may only be able to train an arbitrary number here, like 10 hours a week, say, Right compared to the 20 year old who can train 40 hours a week. But the mature athlete doesn't waste a whole, or, or I think has better ability to not waste time. Like you show up to training, you do your stuff, you get things done, boom, intense workout, done. The 20 year old show up to training, chat with your friends, get on your phone, do this, do that, maybe get intense workout. Then you, you know, there's a whole lot of waste of time. Well, it's like the, you know, the university athlete who gets everything done, gets all their homework done, is away at competition. It's because they don't have time that they get everything done. Whereas the, the, the student who isn't part of sports, doesn't really have a job, is just, just, just taking university courses, <laughs> you know, and they're like, I don't have time. I'm busy. I'm partying. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Well, Okay, but I think, you know, maybe not the best example, but I think, you know, the the more mature athlete may not have the same amount of time to devote to their training, but they're much more purposeful with their training or can be much more purposeful and deliberate with their training. That's what I mean by shortcutting the process, right? Like you don't need as much time because you know what you need to do. Right. Right. So how do... How do we set expectations? So for mature athlete getting back into sports, maybe you've been away for your career. Maybe you've been away for, um, you've had a family, you know, any number of reasons. How do we set expectations for ourselves for overall fitness? So maybe we're getting back into sports, um, endurance, maybe running or cycling or swimming, or maybe we're getting back in for competition, like with a team sport. And so I'm going to use myself as, a, as an example <laughs> coming in, having expectations about what my level of fitness should be, what the outcomes should be. It's totally wrong. 
Um, I think I was told by a friend of mine when I first started fencing, she's like, you're a toddler. (laughs) (laughs) Like in in terms of fencing years, you know, you're a toddler. So when we're getting back into sport after a long period of time, you know, I, I realize everybody's, everybody's different, but what are the expectations, um, for just improving fitness and getting better at competition. You said already about shortcutting and just being present in terms of training, um, you know, awareness and, and helping your coach. But I think, I think in terms of not getting attached to this identity, but also not getting injured, you know, because there are health risks, like actual physical health risks to starting too much too soon, expecting yeah. too much too fast. Well, I think there, you know, I'll use the word realistic and I don't mean realistic as in, um, not pushing yourself. Cause I think sometimes people are like, be realistic. And when I hear be realistic, that's like, you know, don't expect so much from yourself. That's not what I mean. I actually mean be realistic. Like what is the reality of your life? Um, yeah, the fitness thing, if you've, if you haven't been involved in fitness in a long time or, or stayed active, and even if you have, there's a difference between daily fitness and sport competition. So, you know, you're going to have to go. And when I say slow, slow at it, not just from a physical perspective, but from a psychological perspective too. And I don't mean slow as in, you know, go easy. It's progress at the right rate for you right? And that that's where involving professionals is super important, right? Like getting cleared medically, not by like a, a, a general practitioner, like a, phys, a, like a sport physician, um, going to see a physio, what are my, all those things from a physical perspective, like what are my abilities? What's my muscle? What are my muscle balances? Like, what is my, all of that stuff. That's one piece. But psychologically is having going slow in that perspective too is okay i'm just going to figure out if can i what what is the reality of my life how much time do i actually have to set aside what can i do what can't i do what am i willing to compromise what am i not willing to compromise so looking at the realities of your life and and what you have what you don't have but what you want what you're willing to give what you're willing to dedicate what you're willing to do to obtain the experience you seek, right? And then from there is who are we to judge what's possible for anybody? You know, people are like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, we hear so many things from others that they kind of undermine our own dreams because they don't see it as possible, but they don't know what's possible. They don't know what I'm willing to give and to, to dedicate. If I, if I want to, if I have the ability in the reality of my life to quit my job and dedicate, you know, 20, 30, 40 hours of training. Maybe I have a dream of doing an Ironman and, and doing it and finishing in the top, whatever of my category, but that's going to take a lot, but do I have the, the, the reality of my life? Does it give me that ability to do that? And then it comes down to, okay, well, let's be realistic with, do you want that? Like, do you just want the dream of finishing in the top 10 in your age category for a triathlon? Or is that, is it really what you're willing, like, are you willing to put in the work and the hours? Like, is the day-to-day going to be as interesting and as exciting um, as the reward of that medal or that top 10 finish? 
Because if the day-to-day doesn't give you the goosebumps in a positive way, like the top 10 finish does, then you've got a disconnect there. And that that's a really interesting point that you just brought up about having the dream and, and doing the work. So let's say a scenario like somebody wants to go to a, a World Cup for Masters or a World Championship and you know, they, they dream about seeing themselves on that podium. But in reality, because of work and family and other stuff, they they can't put in the time or maybe they're, they just, you know, through the years, like their fitness is not as strong or, you know, they might be injury prone. Can you still enjoy the dream and still accept that that might not actually happen and enjoy it? Can, is that a reconcilable difference I don't, I don't want to say it's cognitive dissonance exactly but can you just be like man that would be awesome and still be okay if if that's not actually going to happen you know what I or think do that, those things need to make to, to join together no I don't think they ever do like the kid who dreams of being in the NHL when they're seven eight nine that dream fuels his work or her work not that she'd be in the NHL, but it doesn't matter. Like it fuels his work. That little guy who wants to play in the NHL, he's seven years old and he truly believes that he will be there. Although it's 0.3% of the population that get there. Like he, do we want to squander that? Do we want to be like, Hey, you know what? Realistically it's 0.3%. You're probably not that 0.3. Who, unless you're like really mean parent, you wouldn't do that. Like that fuel of that dream will fuel him to improve, will fuel that athlete to improve and to do the work today, right now, and will keep him excited, right? Keep him going. Eventually, that athlete will figure out, okay, if I really want this, I'm going to have to do something different. I'm going to have to do something that's 0.3% what other people don't do. And possibly that 0.3% is luck. It's being at the right place at the right time, at the right age category, being picked for the right team and being scouted by the right person. There's a lot of things that are with not within your control. So flipping that to the master's athlete or, or older athlete getting back into things like that dream can fuel you, right? If you mm-hmm. just have the dream of, yeah, I just kind of, you know, I just want to get back into sports. Well, for some people that's good in terms of the dream that that's going to be enough fuel. Yeah. But for others that may just be, meh been there, done that. What's the point? But if I'm working towards like world masters and like being on the podium, okay, I'm going to get going. And once you're in the process and you're invested, then kind of understanding like what is the reality? And I don't know what it is, the reality. I don't know who, who everybody is. I don't know what's real for each person. Mm -hmm. Then you can, you're like, well, I'm invested. Like, let's just see how good I could be. Right. And you've already right. bought in anyways. So I don't think having that, th- those two things should be disconnected because there's never any guarantee of anything in life. Like the person who dreams of being an Olympian, there's never a guarantee, but they still do the work. Right. So same yeah. thing for that older yeah. athlete. I think. 
It's just, I think yeah. we're jaded. Okay. Well, I think we're jaded a little bit more as older athletes, right? <laughs> we're jaded because we're like, man, you know, I've been disappointed in my life and I know what it's like and no, that's not realistic. And well, realistic by whose standards? I think that's part of, of goal setting and identity as well, right? Like who mm-hmm. is the person who's, you know, or who are the people who are defining what is and isn't doable mm-hmm. and, and what, and not only what is and what isn't doable, but what is and what isn't an acceptable result. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe you have that dream, like you want to see yourself in the podium or, or maybe you're doing a charity thing and you've got to ride your bike for X, however many number of, of kilometers. Do you know, do you, do you, do you know what your limits are and you just hope people will help you and, and you just do your thing and whatever happens, happens, right. or, you know, or do you feel like you're letting people down if you, you're not meeting people's expectations, if you don't get to where you say you're going right. to get to? Um, you know, or are, are people going to think that then if it's charity, if you're doing a charity ride, like people gave me money, am I, Mm. am I, you know what I mean? Am am I letting them down if I don't get it done? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, people said I was crazy to do this. If I don't make it to the top, did I, did I really waste my time? Like, I, you know, I think that that's part of the setting expectations part and how much of it can you separate from what I think we carry expectations of other people with us into adulthood. I know I do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Perhaps unrealistically, but I, I still think, especially if you're taking time from your career or your family mm. or your friends as an adult to, to do yeah. what seems like a crazy dream, right? Yeah. Like, oh my God, if you think of, you know, from age zero to, you know, whatever, it's our whole life. But, you know, especially in those formative years when, you don't know what you don't know. So you're just taking what's around you as this must be truth. This must be the way it is. And you hear so many messages that you're, you're unconscious of, but that make up the, the fabric of your being and of your understanding of the world. And so then you get to a certain point and, and you're like, I let people down and they expect me. And who knows where that comes from? That comes from maybe when you were a kid, not, not necessarily parents, you just hear it, right? Like you hear that stuff, you, you're exposed to that stuff, whether it's on TV, on the radio and whatever, but it could also be a colleague who talked about something and whatever, as you grow up and there's all these, how we understand the world is really not always how we choose to understand the world. It's kind of the fabric of who we are and what's, you know, all of the little experiences that we've had in our lives, in our life. So, you know, yeah, we carry a lot of that from throughout our life. We, we carry a lot of these strange expectations or, you know, these views. And, and that's why that self-awareness and self-reflection, and as you said, you know, stepping outside yourself and be able to look and go, is this what I believe? Like, what do I believe? What, what do I want? What, how, and, and how am I going to make that happen? And do you know, do I want to live the, for example, I don't know why I just thought of this, but you know, there's so many athletes that are in their twenties and and late twenties who are right now vying for an Olymp for, you know, the Olympics or trying to get a spot on the Olympic uh, to go to the Olympics, or they are going to the Olympics. And then they're comparing themselves to other 20, 25 year olds, you know, mid twenties. And they're like, they're having kids, they're getting married. I should be, I'm what, you know, I must be a bad person. Like what? Who defines yeah. what a 25-year-old should be doing? Just because 
the majority of the planet is doing that doesn't mean that's the right thing. Maybe that's right for them. But what about you? Maybe it's because they don't have what you have. It doesn't mean that because that's the norm, that that's the way to go. So yeah, it's, it's like, I, I like to tell, you know, the younger people in my life, like you got to do, because I wish that I had had this advice when I was growing up, you know, first do no harm Mm. and then do what's right for you. Not what you think is right. And I didn't get told that until I was in my (laughs) thirties. I was like, man, like, I wish I had had that advice way back. Yeah. But know, there's so much pressure, school. right? Like, think there of when, so when would you have wanted to have that advice? When you were 10, 15? 20. Uh, 20? And, and do you think that, you know, you would have, I think just hearing that once probably wouldn't have changed a whole lot. Hearing it over and over and over again, and that that becomes the fabric of who you are. Mm-hmm. then it maybe would have had an impact. Yeah, probably. I, I think I think I would I would say 20s because that's the period in your life, especially when you're done school, where it's like, wh- where what do I go next? I think mm. for a lot of like childhood, there's so much you're herded into the school system. You're herded into, you don't have a lot of autonomy and you don't have a lot of choices as to what you can do, but then you finish school and it's like, okay, what now? Like, here's where I, I'm an adult, I'm independent, I'm educated, like, where can I go from here? Right. Interesting, right? Because you're independent now and you can think for yourself, but all of your, like, your beliefs have already been formed by other people in the past 20 years of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, you know. That's definitely true. Yeah. So that's why I'm, um, so I think that that's why it's so important that maybe the idea is that kind of messaging should be started at zero, you know, age zero. That's the messaging is, but then how do you get that? How do you, uh, how do you say that to, to a, a you know, one-year-old, a two-year-old or, right. yeah. I don't know. You're better suited than that to me. Well, you know, I'm, I'm running a live experiment right now. <laughs> Um, my daughter's 15. And so, um, you know, not that I'm doing this necessarily the right way. I don't even know if there is a right way, but, uh, you know, there's a live experiments being run right now in my household. (laughs) I I would say the other thing, the other thing too, that I'm, uh, you know, I've been thinking about a lot lately is this idea that, that you can do anything and, you know, everything you want. And I, I think that's also not true. And I, I think we have to be careful with our language around that Mm. in that you can do anything you want. You can try to do anything you want, but you can't do everything. Mm. You cannot do everything there. There isn't time. So when you're talking to that 20 year old athlete, they're like, man, like my friends are all getting married and having Mm. kids and I'm doing this, but you can't, you can't do both. Mm -hmm. Not, not to the level that you probably want to do it at. You you Mm -hmm. can't excel in six areas of your life. Something's got to give. Right. You know, you're not going to be able to put equal time into your training and into a family and into a full-time education. Like yeah. you can't do it. And that's part of, of setting expectations as a mature athlete. Like, especially if you have younger children, right. Or you, maybe you have an elderly parent you're taking mm. care of. Like you mm-hmm. are not going to be able to put the same amount of time into everything. Right. It's, it's looking at things from the realities of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, though, I think 
you know, I always like to leave this small, it's like in scientific experiments, there's always this small, like, there's room for error. There's room for the outliers, right? Like, yes, 99.9% of the people cannot do all of this all at the same time, do it all. But then, you know, there's things that defy laws sometimes that we've created. So I'm going to tell you, you know, it's kind of like giving the advice of here's what, you know, the research shows, but the research is also based on in generalization. So maybe you're the outlier. So I'm not going to tell you that you can't. I'm just going to tell you what is, you know, what seems to be the pattern. But then again, you know, if you want to go ahead, go ahead and prove me wrong and defy everything out. Awesome. Go. Who am I to tell you that you can't do it? Right. Maybe you can. Right. And I'd rather, I'd rather see, I'd rather say that than say, no way I'm squashing your dream right now. Can't do it. I think it's, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, sometimes we say that, especially to, and I know I say that to my, maybe my, not so much my daughter, but maybe you you hear that in, in parents try to, they say, try to save their kids from being hurt like being hurt emotionally or being disappointed mm-hmm. or so I'm going to save them the potential for being disappointed by squashing their dream right now. Well, but why just not let them fall? They're going to get up. They're going to be okay. I think it's about this expectation. Like, sure. You can try to do everything, but mm. if you can't, you can still appreciate those people who seem to be able to do everything. I think that's where, I think that's mm. where it is. It's like, if, if it's not you in the end, you're not that extreme elite superwoman athlete that, you know, you can still appreciate that person for, for the elite super hero they are yeah. <laughs> and be okay with the fact that you, 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 you can't do everything like that. That's, well, you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that that's, I think that's maybe that's an acceptance part. Like, Sure, you can try, but if you if you can't do everything, if you can't put in the same amount of time, then just appreciate the elite and watch them and be like, man, that is so amazing. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you, you know, you suck at life because you couldn't do that right. extra. It, and it's level. also looking at the realities of their life, right? Like mm-hmm. what are the actual realities of their life? Are they holding down a, you know, a 40 to 50 hour a week job plus kids plus that? Or have they put those things on hold and they're doing this other thing? Like, what are the realities of their life? Because sometimes we look at it and we're like, oh my God, how is she's the same age as me? You know, she's, she's a mom and she's got work and yeah, but what other factors are involved? What, what are the other things? And if you, are you really comparing apples to apples or not? Probably not. Cause they're probably not doing everything either. They probably, you know, like I, they, there's probably something that they're not, mm-hmm. they're and not it's, doing. Yeah. And it's not just what are they doing right now? It's also what's their history? Like what's, oh my God, they trained for 30 years as an elite runner or elite swimmer. You know, I'm thinking triathlon for me. Um, yeah, I started swimming 10 years ago, like for real, like not doggy paddle. So <laughs> probably not going to be like Ironman champion for many reasons. One of them is that I was never an elite swimmer, right? Yeah. So, 
it's not that I'm a bad human being. I'm made up of the same stuff they are. It's just what I've done over a lifetime has been different than what they've done over a lifetime. So, right. you know, like you extrapolate that and uh, you, change the, you change the direction at the onset by a slight, you know, maybe one degree. You extrapolate that over time. You end up at two different places. And in the end, if you're out playing, you're getting back into to sports or fitness, yeah. really pat yourself on the back for getting out there and doing it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think when, if you're going to get back into sport as a, as a mature athlete, you know, do it for not who you once were, do it for who you want to be now. I and mean, that's very different. Like, who do you want to be now? What are the values? Like, what are the things that you loved about being involved in sport? And maybe it is the competition. Maybe it is being number one. And maybe it's also just being out with people and, and knowing that you can move your body and that you can train your body and that your body can do these things that when you put it to work, wow, like it can do stuff that many people can't do. And that's an amazing place to be, right? To know that you, on, on a whim, somebody could say, hey, let's go hike this mountain. And you can be like, yeah, right? Not, man, you know what? I need uh, five years of training because I've been sitting on my butt for 10, 15 years. Just go do the mountain. See how far you get. Yeah, go do the mountain. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> That's the answer. That's the answer. That's Climb the, the answer mountain. to life. <laughs> <laughs> Climb the mountain. <laughs> get, get a Sherpa, get a guide, <laughs> take it on. <laughs> yeah, no, get the gear. Just, let's just, let's put a, a disclaimer here. I'm not advocating that you go <laughs> climb Mount Everest without any training. <laughs> In case that's what you extrapolated from this whole thing. <laughs> All right. So mm -hmm. one last takeaway, getting back into sports. If, what do you think is the best way for people to get started to look into their thoughts? I know, and I know a lot of people who tell me they're like, I don't like to feel things. I don't like to <laughs> it. But wait, you don't like being human? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to feel your feelings. <laughs> they will overrun you if you don't. Yes. But what is um, a, a quick and easy practice for, for people who are, are getting back into sports to, to start setting expectations or, or to start looking at their life and yeah, um, well, setting those goals. How much, how much, what, what do you want to get out of it? First of all, and it, is what you want to get out of it, um, something that you value? Like, what do you value from the sport experience? Like why, why you're getting, why are you getting it back into it? Not why, like, why are you doing it? But like, why, mm -hmm. like, what do you want? What do you want to get out of it? What is the value? What is, what are the things that you want to reconnect with? Cause there's obviously something that you enjoyed because we're talking about getting back into sports. So obviously at some point you were in sports. So what are the things that you enjoyed? What are the things that you valued and, and what is connecting you back? Like what is drawing you back to that? And then you know, get 
start slowly for, for every year you've been off, you need to give yourself some time to get back into that. You got to recondition the body's going to remember, but the memory may be like a long time ago. So give it some time. And then, you know, set some small, if you want a big goal, like, you know, world championships, masters, whatever it is, set yourself a big goal, but then go and get the help from professionals. You know, we think just because we've lived life a long time that we are professionals, not all the time. Like we, we need to get professional help from the people. Like we would never have sent our kid into training for the Olympics. We would never have coached them. Well, don't try coaching yourself. Try to get some help, get some, you know, and sometimes that could be self-help. Okay. Like looking up on the internet, but I would say, get some, get a coach, get somebody who knows what they're talking about, who can guide you through it so that you don't get injured so that you get back into things smoothly and you set yourself up for success. And then, you know, that last piece of piece of the identity, like what kind of athlete do you want to be? Like what, who do you want to be and, and behave in those ways? And can you do it for yourself without other people defining what that is for mm, you. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, by the time you're a master's athlete, you've, you've earned the right to define your own life by your own standards. Agreed. Natasha, as always, mm -hmm. I love talking with you. Oh, thanks. It's been awesome. <laughs> it made me think in a completely different way than usual. So it's good. <laughs> I make people do that. <laughs> Isn't that the job for, of the for better, Yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> and in other exciting news, did I read correctly that you are going to be the um, mental sport conditioning oh, um, for the Special Olympics? Is yeah, that? mental performance lead. So, yeah, for Special Olympics Team Canada, he yeah, heading to the World Games in uh, January in Russia. So super exciting opportunity yeah, I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty stoked about that actually. So I get to work yeah. with uh, all the coaches, the athletes, um, the mission staff from a mental performance perspective, but also from a mental health perspective. Um, just super exciting. Like, yeah, yeah, that's such an amazing opportunity. I'm mm -hmm. super excited for you. I think. Thanks. Yeah. I think, um, you're both. You're all very lucky to like get to work on that environment. So, mm -hmm. congrats. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, here's hoping that our our athletes kick some serious butt over there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So much, so much hope going forward. I think uh, you know, Olympics coming up in in July or August. I don't know, August. Like, um, and then you know, the Paralympics and then the Special Olympics. It's there's uh, a lot of hope that uh, things are going to be. Well, not normal, but at least we're getting back to doable. Yeah, and then we would expect the Winter Olympics again in February or I know, next year, right? right? Crazy, would it be? Yeah, yeah. Well, we need a lot of good feeling stuff. You know, we need to be able to watch people in their element. At least we I do. do. <laughs> we do. We also need to get back to our own elements. Yes, as well. Yes, definitely. So, as much as I know, the warm weather is is here now. Yeah. But um, for well, those of us who don't enjoy feeling every part of our bodies as we run. We would like to get back to the non-running physical activity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you do what you can within the realities of your life. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> Natasha. <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks again so much for your for your time and your oh, my um, pleasure. Thank you. Your wisdom and um, you know your your perspective is one that I definitely appreciate and value. So thanks so much for sharing with me. Oh, and to everyone who's listening. Cool. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and hope we will chat soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more episodes, subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please rate, review, and share it too. For show notes, go to silvergoldwomen.com forward slash episode hyphen 10. Follow this podcast on Facebook and Twitter at Silver Gold Women. Music for this podcast was crafted by the extremely talented Outwild. He knows what I like. Every time I hear these beats, I dance in my seat. If you like his music, you can listen on SoundCloud at It's Outwild. Follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at It's Outwild. Until next time, play hard, play smart. (laughs) 